The 14th annual National Film Festival for Talented Youth is currently accepting submissions, and the Nifty Podcast features films and filmmakers from previous festivals with new episodes weekly. Submit your film to this year's festival, and there's a chance that you could be featured on a future episode. Go to nffty.org submit for full details on submitting your film to Nifty. Welcome to the Nifty Podcast, presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all around the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2019 from Seattle, Washington. I'm Kevin Connor, one of the programmers at this year's festival, and today, as always, we have a very talented creative here to discuss their film that played at Nifty 2019. Let's dive right in. Who do we have on the line? Can you tell us your name, your film, and any of the roles you had in making your film? Hi, I'm Clifford Miu. I'm the director and writer of Agong, which means grandpa in Taiwanese. And the story, the film is about a 11-year-old who arrives at the hospital only to realize that his mother and uncles have decided to pull the plug on his uh, beloved grandfather. Well, thank, thank you for taking the time to be here um, with us today, Clifford. And... I'm really excited uh, for Nifty audiences to see this film. Um, you know, I it's it's one of my programmers picks for the, for the festival, and um, you know I'm just so excited we get to sit down with you and and kind of dive into this, this special little short. Um, the what I, where I want to start is on just the basic subject matter and the topic of of Agong. You know, story centering centering around you know end-of-life decisions or just someone who possibly, you know, might be at the end of their life, you, you always, you can find yourself slip into ineffective melodrama pretty quickly. And I think one of the, one of the strengths of Agong is it doesn't. And I wanted to kind of ask you if that was something you're cognizant or worried about while tackling this topic at all? Uh, first of all, thank you so much. But um, absolutely, we were quite aware of that i think um because the story granted it's i thought it was a first of all it was a personal story so i did want to uh try to stay true to that um and by doing that i try to kind of steer it off of some of the soaps the soap opera that you see on television but i think what we were trying to do was we try to because it's from the kid's point of view my point of view you could say but it's from the kid's point of view so naturally you only more or less see and hear what he sees and hears which means that a lot of the melodramatic conversations that may have occurred in real life uh with the nurses and the doctors and uh even the adults you don't really get to hear them as much unless the kid is in the room and we try to film it in a way that was a little more more distant we uh and the scenes with the mother and the son where um, potentially there could have been a little more melodrama because naturally the, you kind of have a situation where it's more dramatic. And we uh, had a, we made these special orange-red blinds that we put in between the mother and the son. So we were always kind of, feel, it's almost like uh, being in prison. There's always something kind of blocking us, which I thought was kind of, hopefully took away a little bit from the melodrama or at least kind of toned it down a little bit. 
Definitely, and, and that scene in particular with the, with the orange blinds is, you know, a standout for me um, when I, every time I've, I've watched this film. So I, I particularly uh, uh, appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I want you, I want to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, the decisions you made in kind of the look of the film, you know, where we see uh, Chris, I believe, um, we see him from a distance a lot, you know, sometimes through glass walls, reflections on floors, um, he's separated in front from his family, from stuff from orange blinds to just you know things in front of the camera, and I want to I want to talk to you about those decisions and you know how they might reflect other aspects uh, of the film that might be a little bit more internal. Sure. Um, so in terms of the look, uh, first of all, Taiwanese hospitals has a very strange thing where their favorite color seems to be pink and green. It's always a mixture of that. And, you know, we try to stay true to what the Taiwanese hospital looks like. But then we also, there were things that we were trying to do with color in particular. For example, uh, the red blinds, not just the window blinds, but also the blinds in between the mother and son. We we wanted that feel because I thought, you know, in itself, the situation was already cold enough. I didn't really want to have another very green blinds, which is what the blinds were when we first picked the location. Uh, I thought if we added a bit of warmth over there, maybe we could kind of, I don't know if dilute is the right word, but balance a little bit between the, the warmth and the coldness. Um, in terms of everything else, uh, our our ground floor, when the kid first enters the hospital, that was shot in a different hospital from the hospital rooms and the whole hallway where most of the action takes place. So a lot of um, kind of the things that we had to be aware of was making sure that everything felt like it was consistent and in the same place. So I think uh, the art director, the production designer especially, we had to add a lot of stuff. It's Whether it's small things like posters or just cover up the TVs, we kind of try to make everything really consistent in terms of the coloring and in terms of shooting things behind let's say um the the tiny window that's that's on the door stuff like that we just wanted to have this feeling that chris the kid when he entered he didn't know what's going on so a lot of the things he had to see through things i wanted to create this feeling where us as audiences we're always really far away from the situation and we want to get closer. And since the hospital itself is more or less pretty desolate, there's not a lot of people there. There's not a lot of things in the hospital. So a lot of, like one of the films that we looked at was actually the the American horror film, uh, It Follows. I think that film does a pretty good job of creating this kind of, um, this dread this dreadfulness of you know something bad is going to happen but then you're not really sure exactly what is going to happen i think that's what the kid was going through and we try to create that by shooting things by putting the camera behind things and seeing through things yeah i mean i, I thank you for the answer i think that's that's wonderful i'm I, I want to dive a little bit into this this idea of wanting to get closer that that you know you were talking about in in trying to get in the look of things but I also think I experienced the same thing with the sound of it you know this is a very quiet film and it almost causes you because of that to lean in and and you know hold your attention and almost your breath from beginning to end and it's 
it's very interesting because it's it's really hard to pull off that quietness that's kind of causing the audience to become more focused. Can you talk a little bit about that? Those decisions in 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 sound and sound design. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of sound design, what we tried to do was first of all we tried to stay true to um, what was happening. I wanted the audience to feel like you're there with them. That was the approach going in when we were talking to the sound designer. So a lot of what you're hearing is basically shot on location. But then we did something where once the kid is getting closer, for example, when he was trying to get near the door, but the door was still closed, he didn't get to be in the hallway with the adults yet. And we did a bit of a sound effect, uh, which is an attempt to try to bridge the gap a little bit further, which is you get this kind of ambiance noise where you can't really hear what's going inside going on inside but then when he gets really close to the door you can hear whispers of what the adults are saying it's stuff like that that we try to i think with sound we definitely try to not to say manipulate it but we use sound to bring the kid further and closer when the visual was uh, let's say I didn't want to push the visual too much. Let's say when on screen, we already have a visible distance between the kid and adults with the sound. I try to bridge everybody a little bit closer, but then we were very aware that there was a distance between the kid and the adults. So realistically, we can't hear very, very closely. It wouldn't really make sense, but we just heard just enough so that the kid is able to process and get the information and us as audiences could hear the audible conversation. Agong is is playing at our, our Family Ties screening this year at the festival, and that, that's a screening that kind of centers around, among many things, the complicated dynamics that family seems to bring about. I think a lot on this film rests on the authenticity and the dynamics of the family, and I was wondering, how did you ensure that these actors would come off as people who have known each other their entire lives, or at least, uh, you know, have these, you know, backstories that the film doesn't get into too much, but you can kind of see in the performances and on the screen? So what we did was, um, at least what I did with this film is, because kind of a unique thing about casting in Taiwan, I can't say this is true for every film, but at least in terms of my experiences, um, a lot of the actors, you don't really get to um, rehearse with them. Or I should say during the casting process, you don't really get to read with them very much. A lot of the actors, especially some of the ones in this film, which are, you know, they've been in films, they've been in television shows, you know, some of them are household names. We can't really uh, <laughs> just read the lines with them. So we have to cast them more or less based on intuition. So... The long story short, we basically had a couple actors that we, let's say two or three choices of each actor, except for my main character, uh, the mother, which we basically casted. Uh, she was always casted uh, when the film was in its previous incarnation as a, as a different language film. It was already this actress. But besides her, everybody else, we had two or three options, and we basically first of all, looked at the pictures and see if they look like they would be a family. So first of all, based on the look, there's some very simple things of, let's say, one of them is too tall, the other one is too short, it wouldn't make any sense. So once we had kind of photos connecting them, they look like they're a family, and we had casted them, what we did was um, we didn't get to have 
many rehearsals. We had one rehearsal, but we had a full day rehearsal where I brought them all to the hospital. And b- before that, the day before, I had a line, kind of a read through with all of them, a table read where we got to know each other a little bit. Everybody got to talk about what I I thought the family dynamics were because some of it was based on real memories. So I was able to say not to say you have to play it like. Uh, exactly, you know, my family members, but certainly these are the things that people might do during this situation. I think they got it and they hung out, the kids, the cousins hung out a little bit, the mother and son got to eat lunch together. And then we had a full day rehearsal at the hospital where we basically had blocked and acted the scenes out, at least in the whole hallway and bedroom stuff. And then they got to talk to each other. We all got to talk together about what we thought happened a few days before, what the people have been doing and what what have them be what have they been talking about before the kid even entered the hospital i mean and i think that that comes across the the performances here you know there's no never a second of of that they that they tread off um that believability but i think also just as important is is the story and the 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 writing here there's a there's a sensitivity to the characters and their differing viewpoints. I know at one point in the film, there's a family, I mean, Chris's family discussing an incredibly tough decision and they're all kind of giving their viewpoints and explaining their logic um, all the while. And you can kind of empathize with each character's headspace. How important was that in the mid that in the midst of everything that these differing views still be relatable to the audience? I think it was quite important. Honestly, the tough thing is, the film had a few different, the script had a few different incarnations. It used to be a point of view that was very, um, let's more of a, a third person kind of point of view. It wasn't really from the kid. It was everybody had their own point of views. And before it was a bit more of a, I guess I could say it's kind of a medical drama before less of a, it was a big family drama. It was also a medical drama. I think it was through rewrites, through getting different notes and just kind of digging back into my memories a bit more. I realized that because this is, and at the end of the day, my story, it made more sense to base the kid off of when I was younger and how it all happened. So obviously then the story would kind of start and enter through the eyes of 11 year old Chris, but there are important informations of the film. For example, when the three people are talking where I think it is important for the audience to learn a little bit ahead of Chris, what is going on to have a bit of context as to what was happening before. So then we had to bring the perspective to the adults a little bit and then bring it back to the kid. And it was definitely very important for me that we balance. I didn't want this. Obviously I, I intended the story to kind of make the audience think about what you would do in this situation, but I didn't want it to feel like it was very subjective. It is from the kid's point of view, but it is objectively looking at this situation. And I think everybody has the reason to pull the plug or not want to pull the plug. I don't think anybody is particularly wrong in this case. You could say everybody's right or everybody's wrong, but I don't think there is a one person is right and one person is wrong. And we were very aware that we wanted to um, bring this out and let everybody know that these situations are always really, really tough, especially in Taiwan, where 
um, the oldest sibling gets to make the decision, a lot of people feel very helpless and you spend a lot of time trying to persuade each other, persuade the eldest sibling. And I think I wanted this to, for people to understand that it's never an easy choice to make. It's always hard. Yeah. Um, I'm, always, I'm always interested in the twists and turns that, you know, a story takes before it gets to the the final form. So I really appreciate you talking about, you know, it being more third person initially and going through that whole change. Um, at, at this point, I think I, I want to get into, um, you know, the the setting of it. We were talking. We've been talking about you know filming in a Taiwanese hospital. Uh, you were talking about how it is um, very personal for you. This story. Um, first off, you were talking about the oldest. The oldest um, was it. The oldest sibling. The oldest sibling uh, gets kid. to choose. That that's the law in in Taiwan. So in Taiwan, the situation is that. Uh, the wife or husband of the person that is being plugged would be able to make the decision. But since in this case, the spouse is not here, then it would be the immediate children making the choice. And it's always the oldest one. So in this case, the the mother is the oldest sibling. Okay. Interesting. That's really, really interesting. Um, in terms of when people watch um, Agong and the credits start rolling. Is there something in particular that you want the audience or an audience member to be feeling or or thinking about or something that you hope that they're pondering um, while the credits are going and maybe, maybe further on? I think if I could say one thing, it's that because I've been, before I was making the film, I had been reading an increasing amount of stories in Taiwan and elsewhere where people didn't, uh, write clearly or announce clearly what they wanted to do if they were ever stuck in a situation like this. Because a lot of people, frankly speaking, don't anticipate that they would be in a situation like this. But it's important to, especially in, let's say, somewhere like Taiwan, where writing it in ink on paper really counts as your uh, written intention. I think what I would like people to take away is that I hope people, I'm not telling people about how to think or what decision to make, but I hope that people can uh, think about what they might do in this, this in this situation. And if they already know, if they're stuck in a situation like this, they want to have their plugs pulled or not pulled, it would be great to have it written, have one of your kids sign it, talk about it. I encourage more conversation about this particular issue because as you can see in the film, when a person doesn't clearly announce or write what they want to do with their body when they're being when their the plug is plugged in them, it's uh it's a lot of pain for themselves, for their kids, for the kids of their kids. So I think ultimately I hope people the biggest takeaway is that they can really think about what they would do in a situation like this. Yeah. Was there something that you learned uh, making this film that maybe you hadn't anticipated learning when you started off on this um, in regards to this topic or maybe not? Uh, for sure. I think, for example, what we were discussing before about the very uh, specific law in Taiwan of which the if the spouse isn't there, the oldest sibling would have the ultimate choice. This is different in, in every country or in many countries, at least. So this was something that I learned. And there are many different rules throughout, you know, in, in Taiwan and different hospitals that I found were quite interesting. But I think 
a more internal personal thing is that I learned really how quickly a lot of the older memories and emotions really float back when you're writing something that's based on a past. You know, a lot of things that I thought I had forgotten or at least maybe didn't really want to remember, a lot of it really floats back very quickly. But I do think in terms of the law and everything, the big takeaway is definitely that Taiwan has a very specific law where the spouse gets to make uh, the decision and then the kid, because that is why that is how the story re reveals itself. If it was a different situation, let's say in America, where the law is a bit different, we would have a pretty different story, I think. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, I want to take a step back from Agong in particular and go a little bit more broad um, about you know, where you are in terms of um, your filmmaking when you made this film, where you are now, and mainly um, what do you think caused you to make this particular film at this time in your career? So basically, ever since I graduated from Tisch, from NYU undergraduate, I had worked on film sets quite a bit, just here and there, you know, doing small things like working on TV shows. I worked on Ocean's 8. I worked on uh, Scorsese's Silence before that. I was on set a lot, and I didn't really actually, ironically, get to make films that much. And then I made my thesis film from NYU called Porcupine, which is on Short of the Week. And I realized I still very much want to make short films, and there are so many different genres I want to uh, want to explore. So actually, I had made some thrillers, some horrors before this film. It was after I did those films, and I started a company called Bearing Pictures with my producing partner, Lin Han. We started to produce a lot of films. Some of them were previously at Nifty, actually, like Nevada, Death Metal Grandma. And we had done a few short films with mostly female filmmakers, a film called Jijie, which is on HBO by Fiona Roan. And after that, I thought, well, okay, we have worked on so many films as producers and you know I've learned so much from them. It's time where I actually wanted to go back into making my own film. And I think it's because a lot of the filmmakers, they had dove so deeply and personally into their stories. I think it gave me a bit more courage to uh, make a film about something I I experienced because frankly speaking, I wasn't really sure if anybody would be interested in you know, something that happened to me. I wasn't sure if it would have a universal appeal. So I think it's after going through all that and I did a, a few commercial work in between where I thought, okay, if I have enough resources, I could get the actors I want and I have enough you know, funding and everything to make the film that I want to make, then I want to make a personal film. So I definitely think the timing is very specific. It's having done some of those features, bring able to bring some of the crew, some of the cast, and then feeling like this is the time to make a very personal story. And especially considering uh, the issue of what we just talked about has been on the newspaper more, I felt this was the exact time to make this particular film. And, and we feel very grateful that we're able to, to screen it at the festival this year. Um, 
you know, and Nifty is is not just a not just a place to screen films. It's also a place to to interact with you know similar similarly aged creatives. And I was wondering if you had any advice you know to um, the people listening that might be to- more towards the beginning of their careers, um, starting out filmmaking or um, in similar paths. If you had any advice for them, or you know any advice that you'd give maybe your younger self um, that you, that you've learned along the way. Yeah, I think one of the big uh, major advices I would give, I think something that they don't always tell you in film schools is that um, besides making your film, you know, getting it done, which is obviously very, very important and you make it the best you can be, but it is also essential that you go out and meet people, go to attend, you know, whether it's Nifty or other film festivals where you get to social with other filmmakers, you get to so many crew members and filmmakers that I've worked with, I met, not always necessarily in school, although I did meet a lot of people in Tish that I still work with, but I met a lot of people through different film festivals and uh, social gatherings, stuff like that, uh, different kind of you know, film foundations, that sort. I think it is definitely very important that you spend time to apply to film festivals within reach, within the resources that you have. And don't be scared to, don't think, oh, I'm not going to get into that. Submit them, meet people, meet programmers, meet fellow filmmakers, meet agencies. But I think the post, the post post, not just the post-production, but everything after press all these things are very very important to get your film out there because if you want your film to be seen you uh you gotta get eyeballs so you gotta get attention you gotta social media too is very important just any way you could get your film out there i think definitely try to do so need more people valuable information for sure um i know i know agong is is doing the the festival circuit and screening all around um i was curious if there what if there's been projects since agong that you've had if you're working on something essentially what what's next for you i think after agong i shot agong about over over a year ago so since agong i have been working on some films again but i think uh, right now, the bigger things is that I've been um, working more on producing, uh, producing other shorts. There's a film, short film called Pearl that I produced that's also making the festival rounds right now. And there are other films that are coming out things. But there's a feature that um, we're working on, my company is working on, called American Girl by Fiona Roan. Uh, who did that we're trying to get made uh, in Taiwan. And also I'm trying to make another short film again. One of the things, I guess this is kind of a advice too, but I try to make a short every year if I could. You know, sometimes you, believe it or not, some people actually, you actually get a little bit rusty after two or three years of not making something. So I always try to keep on making something. And I'm writing more of a kind of a, real life crime drama i think it's a little bit of a it's not a comedy but i think in the vein of stuff like hustlers or itania it's a bit of a social commentary it's a little bit funny it's a little bit of a crime film i always like to have female protagonists in my films and this is going to be the same case and it's something that i'm currently writing that i hope to make at the end of the year or early next year 
I mean, I, I, I think I can't wait to see that. So I'm excited for all those projects. Um, we're nearing the end of our time here. So if people want to, you know, stay up to date on what you're doing or um, where to look online, do you have any sort of websites, social media that you want to plug here? Yeah, sure. So bearingpictures.com is my company website. And you can see a lot of what we've been doing, what we've been producing. And uh, my previous film, Porcupine, is on Short of the Week and my previous film bargain is on omeletto on youtube this film it's still making the rounds it was at uh, santa barbara and palm springs before it just played at vancouver and now nifty and it's going to make hopefully spend some more time making the rounds but once it's uh, online when we have an online destination i will certainly let you know but currently it is not being released on net the net just yet yeah we'll keep an eye out for it because i definitely i definitely recommend to for everyone listening to go ahead and watch it when they can um clifford i want to i want to thank you for taking the time out of your day um to talk with us um and thank you again for making agong it's one of my favorites at the festival this year um and thank you i want to thank um everyone for listening uh for more information on nifty 2019 the talented youth and more emerging filmmakers check out nifty.org or find us on facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. For more podcasts from Party Fish Media, follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Party Fish Media.